Hello, everybody, and welcome in. This is episodio numero cinco of the Puro Caballero Show. It's your host, Mellow Man Murata Mario. Doing the damn thing. It is Ash Wednesday, February 14th, also known as Valentine's Day this particular year. It's a very weird combination of things if you're a Catholic. You're just being guilt-tripped into all your um, past sexual tensions and uh, promiscuities. All that comes rushing to your head and they like make you feel guilty for it. And then today you gotta like mentally flog yourself a little bit to <laughs> put yourself in that mindset. But no, it's a it's a weird one. It's like uh, you're going to uh, start the Lenten season, trying to dedicate yourself of being a better person and uh, putting the negative uh, away, and you know trying to de- rededicate yourself. Um, and then you got this uh, lovely holiday, which is all uh, about love and affection with your partner and all that. But I'm single anyway, so I don't. I really don't give a two shit. So single awareness day, what's good? What's happened to all my ladies? Hit me up. Twitter, Instagram, Puro Caballero. That's P-U-R-O-C-A-B-A-L-L-E-R-O for all these gringos out there. Que pasa? Um, but yeah, it's Wednesday, middle of the week, and we're getting things up and running. But just got to let you know, I would have done this podcast about 30, 40 minutes earlier if it wasn't for goddamn Snapchat, man. I tried sending a snap of... Uh, my the ashes I still got on my forehead because I went to masses later in the evening, which is like no lie, first time in forever uh, that I haven't gone like without my family. Um, yeah, they'll probably hear this. So I'm on my dad. What's up? But in any way, I was uh, trying to send a snap to a few people, and it just pissed me off. I go like. Maybe like relearn all the whole fucking app and how to find people and how to chat versus how to watch the someone's stories and nothing's in order anymore and it's just crazy. It's just it's too much. It's too much. It's uh gotta be like the fourth or fifth time that they changed like the format layout and the functionality of uh, and the features that they have like drastically in the last what three years or so. I mean that they've if you think about what Snapchat was. Like when it first came out, just the real simple text, you could draw on it and uh, you could send. It was mostly just pictures, I think, initially. And then the iPhone users, they had the video capabilities. But yeah, initially it's pretty damn bare bones and everybody loved the shit out of it. And then nowadays, or just through the years, it's been evolving. It was something different. It's like we were talking about. Uh, with VJ the other day, he was uh, saying that uh, it was crazy because uh, they used to be able to show you top three friends, and they don't do that no more. And it changes people's uh, behavior patterns and how they use it. And it's kind of crazy thinking about it because you know that they've done researches and studies on uh, all that stuff. And so they, they know what they're doing. They're smart. They're smart about it. So, um, it's crazy. Really turning me off. 
most of the time I was kind of turned off on how like uh, addicted I got to it. So I would like intentionally try to limit myself. And a lot of times I would just post on my stories and wouldn't watch anybody's just so I can fucking have my spare time. You fall down that uh, rabbit hole, man. Call it uh, getting lost in the scroll when you do it on Instagram, Facebook, or Twitter. But the same shit kind of happens with uh, Snapchat because they got all those feature stories and everything. You just be reading news, just the gossip, whatever's going on. And then you get lost in that. So I'm like, I'm not about that. Got to move on with my life. So... It was crazy. It was pissing me off, man. And then like I went over to my Bitmoji, which is a whole nother ball of wax too. And I like uh, uh, was trying to like edit some of the like the outfit, and it made me fucking like uh, reset it to like a whole different format uh, type of Bitmoji. So I had to like redesign my whole goddamn face and shit. Took forever. So I'm like, eh, I ain't gonna put no half-ass Bitmoji out there. Because I was gonna try to switch it up because I had the goatee on. And I trimmed my, my goatee, so I just got the mustache and the little soul patch going. So I was like, shit, well, shit, I got my, my little Bitmoji look like me. So I went to go change it. And the motherfucker did not end up looking at me when they switched it up. And I was like, god damn it. So I had to take my time and go fix that shit. But uh, looking better now. And, uh, yeah, he's got the stachio going, so, real caballero-like, in the lines of, uh, my pops and my pops' pops and my mom's pops and my uncle's, yeah, rock the stash hard, that's what we do, um, but, yeah, right, watching, uh, this Warriors-Blazers game right now, ooh, shit, okay, it's a close one, Clay. Just hit a three, 99-96, seven and a half left in the fourth. They call timeout, so that should be a good ending. It's pretty hilarious. I was watching a little bit of the third quarter up until this point, and they got Bill Walton back in the building over in Portland, where he played uh, professionally, won his uh, first uh, ring with the Trailblazers back in the 70s. I want to say 76, 77. <laughs> it's freaking hilarious. This dude is such a clown. Like, uh, they're doing the NBA and the NCAA basketball crossover thing, promotion they do on ESPN, where they take the commentators and they flip them uh, from what they normally do. <laughs> this fool Walton. Uh, don't really watch too much college basketball, so I forget about him. This was a character, man. He's just, <laughs> he's so out there. There's no one exactly like him. Freaking deadhead. I'm sure he's got a million and a half stories, and I've heard a bunch of them. He's hilarious. <laughs> Oh, man, he's cracking me up just listening to him. And <laughs> midway through the third quarter, <laughs> he's like, how much longer do we have left? We got a whole other hour to go? <laughs> this thing better go to overtime. <laughs> and Dave Pashes of the partners like, yeah, man, you're used to college too much, man. It's like, you need to get out more. <laughs> you trying to go home? It's like, you tired already, man? Come on. Uh, shout out to Bill Walton, though. He's a, he's a legend in many aspects. That dude was a beast, a beastly player, man, back in the day. If it wasn't for those injuries that he got. And uh, still pushed through and got another ring with the Celtics. So, in the uh, 86 team coming off the bench. But that's tough, man, being a dude that big and demanding, uh, grueling season. 
in the, in the NBA, full 82 games plus playoffs. I think that catches up to a lot of people. Not everybody's body's built to take that uh, kind of punishment you're, you're doing out. It's like crazy because some people can do things forever and other people, it just breaks them. It's very interesting. You wonder how much of that is uh, the genetic makeup of like what you got from uh, that are like God-given abilities and what is something that you can kind of work on. And very interesting. And for Bill, it's just unfortunate because a lot of that, his injuries happen kind of before the technology and the science kind of sped up to uh, better handle and, and mitigate the situations and the issues that he was dealing with with his feet. And I uh, think he had knee issues as well. Those two tend to go hand in hand. It's uh, something I'm very, very well aware of. Having torn my meniscus in high school and come back and had a couple foot sprains uh, that I'm pretty sure were probably due to overcompensating for having a weak knee and leg. And that was uh, a heck of a challenge to come back from mentally. But it, I was just uh, thankful that I was able to get it diagnosed and fixed and treated in time. Because uh, had it been another situation, I don't know what would have happened. So, very fortunate. Ooh, Nurkic missing a dunk. David West up there. Warriors team just running and gunning Curry for three. Tie ball game. Pfft. 99 points. They got seven minutes left. What the hell, man? Both these teams are just gunning. Let's see how Portland does come postseason time because it, how good their front court plays will determine how far they go. Pretty much as simple as that because we know their guards are as talented. Whew. With that and one. McCollum. McCollum's a low-key uh, sniper out there. Real smart player. Reminds me a lot of the players that played in the 90s. Just knowing where to go with the ball, where to use his body. Not necessarily the quickest or the fastest dude, but he's just always, his timing is impeccable. And he does really good at shifting gears. That, to me, I think is some of the, uh, one of the most important things attributes you can have as a guard one being able to handle and two being able to uh, change pace because it's not necessarily how, how top end fast you can get but it's how quick can you get from here to there um, changing direction so a little zigging and zagging and everything here goes Bill Walton standing up in his seat tall ass seven footer don't know what they're talking about wish I can get the audio but we'll get that set up later so, yeah, Portland's got these uh, cool-looking jerseys on, though. They got the, the red with the all the murked-out black stripe instead of the black and white that they used to have. I kind of like those. But these the town jerseys by the Doves, man, like, these ones were going to go down as, like, uh, I think some of the dopest ones. <laughs> it's pretty dope. It's got the... The Oakland tree, the Oakland oak. There goes Nurkic. Oh, body in. Lost the ball and got fouled. 
Draymond holding his own, man. Draymond's like a tank, a fire hydrant. Nurkic's a big boy, and he just couldn't move him. Knocked his ass over. What you got? Yeah, so this is a good game. We'll see. We'll see how the Portland does. Dame Lillard just freaking torched Sacramento last week. I was watching that game. That was disrespectful. There was like a whole five to ten minute stretch in the game where he just took the game over, and it was just not even fair. The Kings announcers were just like laughing and just chuckling, just like, "Oh my god, that guy again!" Like Jesus, freaking unreal. And he's a hell of a player, man. My little brother actually got to meet him. Uh, not this summer, but the summer before with his basketball uh, team. I'm playing in the summertime. They had like a summertime tournament in, I want to say Lake Tahoe. And he was there with his old high school. can't remember exactly which, which school he went to. Dame. Oakland Tech? I can't remember. One of those. He's really from the town, though. Everyone from the Bay fucks with him. Because uh, he fucks with the Bay, and uh, as he should. He doesn't play too far up, right up uh, I-5 there in Portland, too. And he's a crazy story, and he's a hell of a player, too, man. I actually got to see him play in college, and I was actually working. I think I did the halftime show at that game where LMU was playing Weaver State. And some CTI, CBI, I don't know. Some pick your random three letters. Some postseason tournament that was not the NIT or the NCAAs. Uh, so some like third or fourth rate tournament that, that LMU somehow qualified to get into. Um, so they played in like one of those things. And ooh, offensive. Damn, that's a big call. Portland blew 106-101 lead. Five points right here. Five minutes, 20 seconds left. Steve Kerr looking around with a perplexed look on his face. Not letting the players coach this game. This one's a little tighter. Now Steph. Steph actually ran over Amino. Al-Farouk. I think it was a little bit of a flop, but you got to be smart in that. Dude's in the NBA so ridiculously crafty. Boom, three. How you like me? That's eight point lead. Let's go, Portland. Yeah, Dame. Dame's a hell of a player, man. This dude's got almost no conscience, just pulling up everywhere. Mm -hmm. Drop 30, 40, 50 on you just in a heartbeat. Craziness. We'll see how. Portland does in the playoffs. That's it's been their bugaboo. They've uh, had uh, lacked a bit of talent in their front court since Aldridge left. Although when they picked up Nurkic last year, I thought that was a really really great pickup for them because he was not doing well playing with uh, uh, Jokic, um, the Serbian and the Bosnians. Uh, no surprise, couldn't get along on the <laughs> the Denver team. So. He's playing well for Portland, or has been putting up good numbers. He's still a little bit of a liability defensively, 
It's because he's more of a lumbering type of big man, which they don't have those quite as much anymore. It's not the quite the most fleet of foot. He's not slow. He's a hell of an athlete. He can uh, move well for his size. It's just, you know, it is what it is. There's certain guys that are just more of a athletic uh, freaks or crazy phenomenons, you know. Guys that can move laterally and get up and down. But he's a hell of a player. Smart. Smart player. Got post moves. Most guys don't got post moves no more. They actually teach that shit over in Europe a little bit still. A little bit, which is it's interesting because usually the knock on European players is the other way is that they're soft and always shooting jump shots, which a lot of them were from, you know, could face the basket and uh, score the ball outside a lot more than some of the U.S. dudes, but that shows you how the game's changing and perceptions change. And we got Clay swinging the ball around. Oh, KD. All right, five-point game again. All right. Let's see what you got. Portland, Portlandia. Here comes Nurkic. One dribble. Try to flip it up. Swatted and a foul. Good patient offense. Run that pick and roll action. Yo, the ref fell over. Yo. Straight tumble right behind KD when he was hitting the three in the corner. That was just kind of crazy. Alright. I'm trying to be a little bit more official this time. I actually wrote down some shit that I wanted to bring up here on the show. Oh, damn, KD got 41 tonight. Season high. Look at me, I'm still schizophrenic as fuck. Just jumping around everywhere. This is kind of like how my mind just works. Just pinging back and forth. Kind of like a crazy dog. Not a crazy dog. Just an energetic, fun-loving dog. Just loses attention every two seconds. So this is me. And just my chill mode. Because I'm at work, it's different. But right now, I'm just passively taking shit in. It's kind of how I operate. Taking in information. Data chunking. Boom! Ooh, what a move. Lillard. Damn, I think uh, Portland's got this one. Golden State looks like they're not playing at their peak performance right here. But it's a road game, too. Those are tough. Blazers pretty decent team, too. Let's see what the NBA standings are looking like right about now. Speaking of NBA, how about uh, a trade deadline? We got uh, a lot of moving parts. I know we didn't talk about it with DJ because he's not that much of a basketball fan, per se. More of a baseball dude. This is Pops played uh, some minor league ball, so how's his life? I give it to him. Now my little, speaking of baseball, my little brother decided to stop playing, which was kind of interesting to me. Seeing he was kind of losing the love of the game, which I guess uh, I lost in uh, third grade. He finally lost in eleventh uh, grade. A little different. So he's I think he's just doing basketball now. He's got he's dealing with some health issues because he's got a, like a hip condition with the like uh, bone overgrowth. Ah oh, man, Lillard uh, just tried to do one of those and one, chuck the ball up and get the foul called and didn't get the foul call. Let's look ugly. Oh, uh oh, KD just popped another three in one eleven one fourteen. 
Fool's got 44 points. About to put him in another 50 spot. These guys are ridiculous, man. These guys, like, play 2K in, like, real life. That's how they play nowadays. Like, for real, though. I remember playing 2K 10 years ago, and people... Oh, my God! CJ McCollum, one-on-one, went behind the uh, back dribble. Step back action, right to left, from right hand to left hand. With the dude in his face and just blapped the three right on him. Whew. Splashing him. KD to the rim. Oh, my God. 46. And he lost his shoe. Oh, shit. Damn. Four-point game. Again for Portland. So there's a minute 45 left. Man, this one's coming down to it. Phil Walton might have been right. Chance for overtime. Oh, partially blocked. Draymond coming up the hustle play. Katie bringing it up. What you got? Got the blue sneakers on. Oh, oh, what happened? Foul call? Yep. Foul call? Yep. Push. Push foul on uh, number four. Goddamn, who is that? Dang. Katie going against two dudes. Al Farouk and then Nurkic slipped in between both of them. And uh, around the hoop. Oh, another foul call. Back-to-back foul calls. That's big. Uh, four is more Harkless. Harkless got the first one. The second one is going to be on uh, Aminu. And now Golden State going to the free throw line. Whew. Oh, KD got 48. Yeah, he's getting 50 right here. He's got two free throws. Just another day in the office. On 25 shots. Jesus Christ. 17 of 25. Six boards, six assists. Jesus they just, uh, Steve Kerr was really unlocked, like, Super Saiyan mode for KD. He doesn't get enough credit for doing that for all of his players, man. He putting them in the best position to succeed. He does really well getting on their side and not being uh, dry. Two-point game. Yeah, he puts his team in the best position, man. Games you normally would just expect to just be given up on, his teams are always in it. They're never out of any game. It's like... Freaking zombies, they just never die. Dame to the rim. Oh, blocked and saved it in bounds. KD again. He just dude gets the ball every time up the up the court. Step back. Three. Ooh, bricked it. Ooh, rebound. Steph. Oh my god. And a foul. And a foul. Oh. Oh. Ooh. Ooh, this one might be dicey. They're talking about it. They're talking about it. It's a foul. Wait. What's happening? What's going on? Let's, I gotta get some sound. Damn. Ridiculousness. Dame Lillard. Ooh, the teardropper. Man. This game is crazy. Bill Walton was right. Going to commercial. They said called a foul, but Curry was like looking upset, so I don't know what happened. Because he got the offensive rebound, oddly enough. He, he's gotten like two or three of them in this fourth quarter. See, little shit like that. Other teams, you don't see their best player, you know, bailing out on something that they never really do, giving an extra effort type play. But you got KD playing defense like crazy. I saw him swat like two or three of them in this game already. He's, he's playing amazing. He's, he's playing better than he's ever had. And 
I think that's because Kerr mentally has been able to click with him. And he, he clicks with mostly all of his players. And he really gets through to people. Because he's played and he's been there. And he's like played in the modern era too. Playing in the 90s and the 2000s. It's kind of crazy. I did not expect him to just be able to do this so flawless. Obviously, he's had a great players, but it's, you know, it's a two, two-way equation. And he's held up his end of the bargain for sure, you got to say. I mean, this team's going on historic runs right now. Oh, oh, oh. The Warriors got the ball, almost turned it over. Two dudes tapped it for Portland. KD with it again, 10 seconds on the shot clock. Oh, step back. Oh, that was an easy open shot. Missed it. Rebound Portland. And it is Portland ball. I think it was out of bounds. Because Curry touched it out of bounds. And he was falling out of bounds to get the ball. The guy in Portland got it. But the call on the floor is out of bounds. Yeah, exactly. That's exactly right. The dude stepped in. Damn, I'm good. It's like pixelated as fuck, and I knew exactly what happened. <laughs> it's like, damn, I'm good. I need no audio. Ah, dang. Evan Turner broke the shot. Okay, KD again. Got a rebound. Lays it off to Draymond. Out to Clay in the corner. Misses. Uh, rebound. Goes to Turner, and they foul him. 18 seconds left. Damn, Portland might eat this one. They got to hit some free throws here. Let's see what Turner's got. I really do like those black... Uh, the red, mostly red with the black accent, Portland jerseys. These ones look pretty wet. Because, you know, the, the traditional Portland stripes across the front, where it's like white and black, or it has like all three colors that they have. They just murked it out, but they did a faint black and a different texture, which is pretty sick. And you can kind of tell in the light. But he hits the first one, three-point game. All right. So at least three-pointer. And here's the second one. Okay, four-point game. Now the uh, Dubs have one timeout. They're just throwing it in. 18.9 seconds. Curry's got it. Oh, he's fouled. They're both in the bonus. I don't know if I like this. I mean, it's Steph Curry. He's going to hit these free throws. He's like 90% plus shooter. Damn near. Jumping on that damn mouthpiece. 92%. See, see what I'm saying? Boom. There's Uno. Um, yeah, he's like the cheat code in like every game, man. Yeah, who the fuck's this little fool over here just crossing people over? Just drilling shit just from uh, the parking lot. Alright, three-point game. Let's see, does he try to miss intentionally? Intentionally, Because he's talking to his teammates. I don't know if he's setting up the defense or what he's doing. Let's see here. No, I think he's just shooting regularly. No, yeah, setting up the defense. Face guarding Dame. No, face guarding McCollum. Oh, they got it in. And they nearly got... A six-second call, but they got it over. And they fouled Al Farouk Amino. 
Might be a good foul there. They forced the ball out of his hands. That was pretty smart, actually, because they had McCollum and Lillard passing it back and forth to each other. And you don't want to foul either of those dudes because they're going to make it more than likely. At least there's a chance. It's like a 25% chance he misses one of these. Makes the first one. Okay, so the second one you figure might be 50-50. I guess just in any literal sense, it's a 50-50 proposition. There's only two outcomes. Y'all know what I mean. Y'all know what I'm saying. Some stupid math here. Alright, this might be the game. What you got? Drills it. Okay, four points. Nine seconds left. Still one timeout. No, no timeouts. Dubs just took their last one. So they got to knock a three, get a foul, knock another three. Is the path to sending it to OT the most likely? Obviously, you can get that four-point play, but that's damn near ridiculous. Unless your name is Jamal Crawford. I've, like, I think personally seen him hit, like, one or two of those. Going to some of those uh, Clipper games over in Staples. That dude was crazy. From the Pacific Northwest also. I think he's from, uh, what is he from, Tacoma or Seattle, somewhere over there. There's a lot of ballers that came out of him uh, over there recently in the last, like, 20 years. It's been a good amount. Okay. Let's see what we got here. Stupid Bill Walton's a legend. He's like the best of the best and the worst of the worst at the same time. <laughs> Depending on who you are and what mood you're in. <laughs> it's like sometimes it's like, God damn, old man, shut the hell up. All right, 50 point game. 50 points, 17 out of 27. Seven boards, six dimes. <laughs> Slight work. It's ridiculous. All right, to the corner, KD for three. Oh, he nailed it, but his foot was on the line. Oh, oh, oh. damn. They literally were just going to do what I was told them to do. Four-point lead. Portland's got the ball now. Wow. That was crazy. Let's see the replay. Oh, I don't know. I don't know. We got another. We need another angle. They got any other angle. We need the goal line angle. This is the heel up. Oh, they're going to review it. Shit. It's going to take forever. End of these games. Like, damn. Marathons. Let's see what we got here. Here's another angle. Is his... It looks like it probably is, but I can't. You can't see because it looks like probably the middle of his foot is on the on the the line, and then he moves it up and then back into play. But it's non-definitive from the angle that they're giving us. They're giving us like the overhead angle from like under the uh, jumbotron. 
Kind of like looking downwards. I guess they don't have the camera shot from the side. They showed one from like the opposite corner. So if you're looking at the screen, he, Durant was at the top left corner of the court and the camera was at the bottom right. So he's looking across court. Zoomed in and you still can't really see. You still couldn't really tell. Those are tough, man. They're probably not going to give it to them. It's just got to be one of those definitive. Beyond uh, an, uh, uh, a reasonable doubt. Or I don't know what the fuck the terminology, the verbiage is. Wow. Good game, though. Real good one. Made Portland sweat. Made them earn it. Hey, can you earn it? Yeah, Katie's pissed, and he knows he's probably fucked up by like a millimeter. Yep, they called it. Uh, it should be ball game here, unless some catastrophic happens. So we can go back to talking about some uh, some NBA basketball though. So the Warriors are losing. They're actually gonna fall to second place now, behind the Rockets, who I kind of poo pooed a little bit. I think like a week and a half ago. Houston looking strong. H-Town looks good. And then in the East, we've got a flip-flop as well. So the, the Raptors have overtaken the Celtics. So the C's now in second. Losers of three straight. And Raptors on a seven-game win streak. So there you go, man. Rockets on that 10-game win streak also. So that's how they surge past the Dubs. It's not like the Dubs have been faltering that much. But that's the cutthroat NBA, man. That's what it is. And then look over here, Cavs still sitting at third. One game up. One game in the win column up on the on the Wizards. Two more than the Bucks. So they got their winners of four in a row though, and I think they've won three at least two straight since making all those deals that they did right before the deadline. But I'm not gonna lie, man, I think those are some smart moves because they did get younger. They got more athletic. They got some willing defenders, which is, uh, you know, a stat in itself that people don't take into account. Your willingness to put in effort and your willingness to go hard on defense, setting screens, little things like that. Those are measurables. People call them immeasurables, but nah. They're, you can measure them. You can see them. Damn, gonna pad his stats a little bit, get back to the free throw line to close it out. But you got guys that are willing to do that. And George Hill, he was kind of at times loafing it more than he usually does when he was in sack, but I get it. It's it's uh, not the best situation, and the rotations were never really set, and it was it was awkward for. Jaeger trying to keep the older dudes and the younger dudes satisfied and you know having the right mix of trying to go for it now versus trying to see what you got in the young dudes and all that stuff 43 for Dame he had 50 against Sack he had 39 a couple nights ago against Utah tonight 43 man he's just burning up right here craziness but Cavs are looking better 
So with LeBron leading the way, you got Clarkson. He's an athletic player who could shoot the ball. They needed that. Nance is going to give you some like intangibles for being a, an athletic big man who runs the floor. Can rebound, play D. So that's another dude you can match up with. And I think Rodney Hood is probably going to be the best piece out of this whole scenario. If you think about it, Rodney Hood... Real good shooter, lefty, mm -hmm. coming out of Duke. He's the kind of player who can kind of fit in on a lot of rosters, depending on like what you need from him. Because he's a very good complementary piece. But he's not necessarily a guy you can rely upon to be the number one dude a lot or like a main focal point in your offense for large stretches. He's a guy who can hit, uh, catch fire and can be a real good cherry on top of that Sunday, but he's not going to be the ice cream if you know what I mean and that's what the Cavs kind of need right now they already have they have their ice cream and LeBron and they got their other chocolate Sunday and Kevin Lowe when he's back etc etc but Rodney Hood I think is going to be a big addition for that team can match match up very well on defense he's got some size I think he's like six eight. And I think it was just a contract issue there with Utah and him. So we'll see what Bron Bron can bring to the table. Because it looks like it might be a walking year for him. It's going to be weird. But after the Cavs, you got the Wizards in fourth, Bucks in fifth, Pacers, Sixers, Heat to round it out. And you got Detroit, who recently came off that Blake Griffin trade, sitting in ninth. They're currently a game and a half out from the heat so that's gonna be pretty tight till the end and then the hornets are sinking right now so it looks like just the top nine right there jockeying for that positioning and then the west like i said houston and the dubs and then i gotta get this updated they just lost again hold on a second mm-hmm so yeah dubs spurs just chilling man they're in cruise control in like third gear like all year and then they put it up to fourth and fifth gear in the playoffs and you're like oh what the fuck but i see you guys coming sitting in third place still just a half game up on the t wolves though nipping right there at the heels we'll see how that goes how they finish out the season. Jimmy Butler has been going off recently. He's had some good games. That game they had against the Cavs was a good one too. That was entertaining to watch. Finally get a chance to watch some more basketball. Yeah, she's nice. She's nice. And then Thunder actually coming together a bit too. They're sitting in the fifth. They got the Nuggets. Mm -hmm. Pelicans and Trailblazers rounded out. And miraculously, the Clippers are still hanging on just a half game out. And Utah, game and a half out. Of Portland. Shoo. We'll see if the Pels uh, can stick around. Because they lost to Marcus. They've been chilling. It's weird. Sometimes you lose a guy, guy and it changes the dynamic of how the other players play. And then you realize you have something you, you didn't know you had. You know, earlier in the year or... Seasons past with certain players step into kind of different roles and they're asked to do certain 
different things and you get some good results sometimes. Same things kind of happened with the Wizards because they lost John Wall. Everyone's kind of like, oh, humming all this stuff. Like, mm, well, he's a good player, but and all this other arguments, this, this, and that. I don't know. I kind of don't buy it. You put the, the much talent out there as so you possibly can. It's tough. You got to be like reasonable with it. And, and it all depends situation to situation. Because I remember being a Kings fan growing up and like watching an MVP caliber season from Peja Stojakovic go down the drain just because uh, Chris Webber really threw the groove of the Sacramento Kings team out of whack when he came back after his devastating knee injury. They didn't know how good he was going to be. And they gave him a lot of leeway in terms of being able to play through some mistakes and different things. Uh, and they gave him as much of a leash as he had before he was healthy, which is good for a player's psyche, but at the same time might not necessarily be the best for the team because that team was a little bit more perimeter-centric that season. And they were running a lot of quick-hitting action-type plays and a lot of off-the-ball movement. And with Weber, you get the off-the-ball movement, but the quick hit action might not have happened. It was a little bit more of him prodding and poking at the free throw line or at the elbow. And you saw him kind of hold on to the ball a little bit more. And he wasn't able to make quick moves and decisions like he used to. So that kind of slowed the whole offense down and it threw them off. And they started to get better towards the end of the season. They started to patch those things. But it wasn't enough. And he wasn't able to give enough for them to move on and beat the T-Wolves in the second round that year. And that was a hell of a series. It went f uh, seven games. And Seaway was literally a, a millimeter away from draining a three and winning the game, winning the series too. That was a crazy, crazy series there. I remember KG talking about bringing out Uzis and uh, Glock 40s and Nut Tech 9s and bazookas and rocket launchers and shit. Like, we about to go to war. Everybody got all pissed off about it. Like, man, you ain't really going to war. We're about to choose. And it's like, man, you know, you understand. It's making an analogy there. I, I, I get it. I get it. It is what it is. Yeah, I remember there was crazy... Uh, fighting that was going on in that series too. I remember KG John at the Kings and some dude popped him right in the jaw. I want to say it was Anthony Peeler. That sounds about right. <laughs> One of the backup uh, small forward, power forward type players. And he got into John with him and he just gave him an uppercut. Bam! Right to the, to the jaw. And he, he got suspended and actually was... <laughs> an integral part of that rotation because they had like an injury to one or two guys. I can't remember exactly who. Might have been like Jim Jackson who got hurt that year. I think he was on that 0-4 team. But nonetheless, it was good, good series. Classic in my mind. Real back and forth. Actually, went to one of those games. Real memorable, man. Arco Arena, that was one of my favorite moments of going to those games is that uh, I want to say it was like game three or four 
team was just looking dead in the water in the fourth quarter. About four minutes left or so. And the last two minutes of the game, we'll see Webb tried to take it over. And he took like three or four ill-advised shots. And it was, ooh, Rondo. Rondo chick getting into it. Just not giving a fuck. But yeah, there was some ill-advised shots. And it was just not the best situation. And so they put him on the bench. And they kept Pajan. And then all of a, all out of out of nowhere, all of a sudden, this dude started catching fire. He, he hit like three or four threes in like a minute and a half stretch, two minute stretch of game time, which was just incredible. One of them was like and one. I remember him hitting it, and I think it cut the lead to like two or three. He made it like a one possession game after just being down like double digits, like. Literally seconds earlier, and it was insane because most of, not most of it, maybe about like a third to half of the arena had already like dipped out, and they had just called it like "fuck it, we're leaving, we're beating traffic." Charco traffic was shitty, man. Leaving the games, so they were kind of dipping. And I'm me being a crazy Kings fan. I'm just trying to be there for every second of the action in case something crazy happens, and I'm. Sitting there chilling with my dad, and I'm looking at my dad. And he's looking around like, ah, maybe we should go. Or he's thinking about it. And Paige just starts drilling these shots, man. And it was the place sounded like it was packed at the after he hit the last one, and it was it was crazy. I want to say they took it to OT. They forced OT. Let me pull up some of these box scores actually, because that's now I gotta get my facts straight. Cause this is this was some memorable ass shit. Sure, you can find it on YouTube. I've seen it in there before. Um, let's see. Minnesota. Here we go. Basketball reference .com. Kings Timberwolves. Here we go. Let's see. Ooh, that was the year it was uh, Lakers versus Pistons. Let's see here. Who we got? Who we got? No, I want to see the box scores. What the fuck? Where are the box scores at? Oh, here we go. It was... Let's see. Game 1, sack 104.98. Game two, 8994. Uh, mini. Game three, Minnesota 114, sack 113. I want to say it was that one. Let me click on this one right here. It was something insane. Yeah. Let's see. Yeah, where's the points at? Yeah, Peja had 29. <laughs> he was uh, 5 of 13 from three-point line. And pretty sure he hit like three of them in the last, last second there. And it won't give me like... We don't go that deep. It was usually a play-by-play. -play, but yeah, so it was game three there. And it was a crucial game. 
Anytime you tied one one, the game three is a uh, big big one. But that was that was incredible. That was good times. It really really messed him up though, bringing him back from that injury. And I don't know where I was and where I was going with this conversation at all, but I guess we'll keep it moving. I guess since it's on the uh, TV right now in front of me, I just gotta bring it up and say my condolences to the people there in Florida with that horrific uh, school shooting again that happened. This is a routine, consistent problem. We're just gonna rinse and repeat until something happens and. If the status quo keeps happening, then we shouldn't be surprised when this occurs again. What's the definition of insanity? Is uh, doing the same thing over and over again and expecting different results. Which I think that quote is attributed to Albert Einstein. I'm not really sure how truthful that might be, but regardless, we'll give him dope, that credit. I mean, it's not like the theory of relativity was... Uh, Know, the dope, you know, really some important shit for ground breaking, breaking uh, for astrophysicists and other scientists and other ists and all that jazz. It sucks. It sucks. Conversations gotta be had if anything wants to be changed. And I'll just leave it as that. You can, you can put two and two together. From what I'm uh, talking about, though, it's uh, it's unfortunate. It's just going to be more political shit talking and BS from each other and less action. You know, in the past, some of this sometimes might spur action, and my generation, nah, it's it's weird. We just go numb to things. I saw a tweet earlier today that uh, LZ Granderson posted, actually, and it was uh, pretty telling. He was saying that he remembers when he was covering the Cubs spring training, I think, and he's, uh, when Columbine happened, and he said that literally the world stopped and like people couldn't believe what happened. He was saying nowadays he was in a cafe, and most people could probably didn't even realize and know what happened. They have no real care in the world. Sad times, man. If you really pay attention, there's like horrendous shit going on every day in the world. Somewhere. You could find it. You start reading up and researching shit and you're just like, God damn, why why are we so shitty? Why is humanity just this negative? Why do we gotta fuck each other over? Why can't we be better than this? But at the same time, if you look the opposite way, you could always find something like that too, so... As I've mentioned before, it's all been a matter of perspective and how you take things. You know, you gotta make them lemonades when you can. Sometimes you make lemoncello. Et cetera, et cetera. I'm thinking of some other cool shit to say and coming up blank. So yeah, we'll leave it at that. So, come running across this ticker on ESPN. Something I saw, I jotted down earlier though. I bought uh, my man Sebastian Janikowski. Probably done with the Raiders. 18 seasons as the kicker, number one draft pick. Way, way back. 
I was a fan of his, man. That dude just did not give a fuck. Came in <laughs> looking like uh, a freaking kegerade. <laughs> and, uh, a kegerator. And, uh, every year to spring training. Looks like he just slammed a couple fucking tall boys before practice. But he'd go out there and he'd boot these 50-plus yard field goals like it was nobody's business, man. He was a weapon. You needed to get the ball just inside the 40, and you had three points on the board, damn near. Or at least a shot at it. Other teams, man, they'd be having to really be thinking about how they'd be play calling, and they get in those areas because they're not trying to punt. They're trying to get some points at, like, uh, um, you know, three points at least. But Raiders can kind of gamble a little bit and do some uh, out-there shit with it. Yeah, you really don't say investing in a kicker is really that important, but if when it's someone who has a leg and that capability more than their peers, if they're just that much more capable, then you know sometimes it can be worth it because it changes game planning and how uh, teams adjust and, and react in terms of what they do on offense and how other teams will, might play you on defense with that understanding that they, they have a kicker who can boot a 60-yarder and like not bat an eye. I think he had tied for the record. He had two 63-yard field goal attempts, man. Freaking ridiculous. In Denver. And they were the the records at the time. Let's see. I think somebody else might have got... Yeah, Matt Prater. Got 64-yarder in 2013, so the previous record was a tie. It was originally set by Tom Dempsey, matched by Jason Elam, Jano, and David Akers, which was 63-yarders. So, yeah, Prater's got it now. But Janikowski, man, I miss you. I actually had a Jano jersey way back in the day, like early 2000s, somewhere still at my parents' house. It's a white Number 11. <laughs> kind of crazy. I can't believe I actually had a kicker's jersey. And I actually sold those things too, man. It's just a surefire way to make sure that uh, that jersey ends up in Zimbabwe. Or Democratic Republic of Congo. Or wherever. Pick, uh, pick your random African nation. Mozambique. Eritrea. Wherever. Liberia, we can keep going. I uh, don't want to trash no African nations, but yeah, it is what it is. Or freaking Nicaragua or somewhere. Some impoverished country probably got fucked over by one of maybe like seven nations in the world. <laughs> it's kind of like the history of humanity. It's like, eh, Spanish did some shit. The English did a lot of shit. Dutch did some shit too. The French did some shit. The Portuguese did shit. There's some others. There's some others. Germans did some a lot of shit. Russians have done a lot of shit. Americans have done a lot of shit. Yeah. We fuck with people. That's what we do. It's like a history of humanity. We fuck with each other, man. We can't let <laughs> well enough be well enough <laughs> always gotta needle each other 
so crazy. It's the competitive, like, survival instincts in humans, man. Because we turn on each other, man. What makes us, what helps us get to this point also helps our downfall. It's just who we are. It's kind of like John Jones's craziness in his performance in the Octagon. You can't really, you know, take the two out. Or the fact that Michael Jordan is a degenerate gambler, but also one of the most cocksure and cocky son of a bitches and competitive son of a bitches you'll ever find in anything. So that's what made him great in basketball. So you can't take that away from him because then if you take that mentality, he's never going to be the greatest ever. Some will say. Uh, people will give you other names, but depending on how old they are. If they're over the age of 40, they might tell you Kareem. <laughs> or they might uh, tell you Magic. If they're in their 30s, they're probably going to tell you MJ. And if they're in their 20s, they might tell you Kobe or LeBron Braun. If they're in their teens, they'll probably tell you Braun. And if you're a kid, then you have nothing to reference, so it's probably Braun. <laughs> Unless you live in L.A. and you just know all the Laker stories or live in Chicago, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But it's... Uh... <clears throat> Competitive SOBs, you can't really take uh, take those qualities away and out from each other. So what got you there is your downfall. But hey, we're human. We can strive to be better. That's, uh, I think, what's cool about things. Uh, speaking about the NBA, I was reading this article, saw some uh, a video of... Uh, Greg, Ta Greg Popovich really bringing up some good points just about society, which he's been killing it. He's been on fire the last three years, I want to say, because before then he wasn't really too active. He wouldn't put himself out there and comment about whatever the day's topics were or whatever society was really dealing with on the outside. He was, you know... Stick to sports more of just uh, I'm gonna keep that to myself. It's not the time and place type of guy. But a lot recently, he's really felt the need to come, kind of uh, say things when they need to be said and emphasize certain things that uh, I think he's uh, very right and just in doing. But he's talking about Black History Month and talking about how we basically live kind of like a racist society that has a lot of implications for other people depending on where you were born and what uh, lot in life you particularly got. And he was basically just being cognizant of these things and just making people aware because a lot of people have the privilege of not necessarily needing to have this on their mind and thoughts on a consistent basis. So it's, it's uh, something that I thought needed to be said in light of a lot of things because he was saying that as being a professional sports uh, league where most of the participants happen to be black Americans it's uh, something that needs to be present and cognizant and mentioned 
on a consistent and routine basis. And so he thought it was very apropos that the NBA be on the forefront of celebrating Black History Month, especially since the season takes place during February and uh, NBA All-Star Game as well. Remember there was like some comedian or some someone said a joke about how uh, pretty much uh, there's one way to tell exactly when Black History Month is and just think about whenever the hell the NBA All-Star Game's at because you know it's going to be a celebration of a lot of black excellence going on. <laughs> Something like that. I'm butchering the, the joke and the delivery and obviously it's not uh, exactly how the person said it but you get what I'm saying. You get the point. You get the point there. But he brings up a lot of good, good topics that I think really honestly needed to be addressed and He's uh he's amazing. I think he's a great human being. Uh more than anything. And he's someone who sacrificed and he's been in the military himself. I think he was at uh, West Point um when he was younger. So he served and he understands what that commitment means. And I think there's really two kind of thoughts in terms of what the or two kind of like trains of thoughts or mindsets when it comes to being patriotic or what it means to really be an American. Um, there's one kind of strain which I think is more nationalistic in sense where if it's anything involving America or if it's um, us versus them, then 100% it's we're doing the right thing and you can't question what's going on. and pretty much whatever is in front of us is like how it's supposed to be and should have trust in the system and everything um, and all that it's uh, sort of a hell of uh, kind of a single minded approach I would say I think there's a different approach which I kind of subscribe to and it's more along the lines of I want the best for this country, so therefore I tend to be critical, but it's not in a way of kind of downplaying and talking trash about it, but I want for it to be better because I know it has that possibility and capabilities. It's something that you could achieve, and it's, it starts with small incremental steps and eventually leads to bigger things. My God, Russell Wilson, Russell Westbrook, ridiculous. So... Anyway, getting back to my point, uh, I kind of come from an, uh, having an eye of just being critical, sometimes overly so, of certain things and situations, and I, I notice this about myself is what I do is I, I take in a lot of data, a lot of information, and then I just try to compartmentalize that and try to make sense of it, and I try to look for patterns, and I kind of see different, just natural human nature behavior patterns that we have, and how we deal with each other and um, how we relate as uh, as a living organism, living on a living organism here, the, the this planet that we're on, this green rock that's uh, spinning around the, the sun. And I, I try to see and, and know as much about what has happened and what is real and what really isn't. And learning more about discoveries that I think God has put that in front of us. Because there's so much that we don't know. There's more that we don't know than what we do know. 
And what we do know, one particular human being will never be able to encompass in their lifetime, if you think about it, to put things in perspective. Kind of insane. Oh, he's out of bounds. Bellinelli, new assigned sixer. Didn't quite make that save for the uh, steal. And Miami misses a three anyway, so they win. So Philly, hey. He's Miami. Oh, Dwayne Wade. He was taking the shot. Those Miami Vice-looking jerseys are pretty tight. They need to make a different color of them, not just the white ones. But that's my opinion. Might be a little too extra, but it'd be, I think it'd be cool. But yeah, humanity, it's just, I feel, you got to have the positive mindset and just think that we can achieve that. So then you go out and do it. So even if you don't get that 100%, you're still successful in a certain sense. It's like the saying goes, what is it? You uh, reach for the stars. If you uh, if you fall, you still land in the clouds. That's what you got to do, and that's, uh, that's how, I, how I look at it, how I take uh, my perspective. But, uh, yeah, just I think people need to become more aware and more attuned of these things. And sometimes I don't blame people for not taking that particular route they come from a, a certain background and maybe they weren't exposed to certain ways of thinking and certain types of logic that uh, I was or um, or other people are and I feel like I was blessed and be able to soak up as much as I could when I was younger and nowadays I'm still learning I try to learn something every day because that's the way you got to look at things you can never stop learning it's the one powerful thing that can always get better because your body will break down but your mind can always can always try to improve upon it and get sharper be more well-rounded well well-rounded as an individual it can be challenging but yeah let's uh let's get into a couple more more topics here because uh we're topping in over 60 minutes now so probably gonna wrap up in a few a couple of things. Let's look uh, on some uh, Twitter shares here. Boom, boom, boom. Let's see. Yeah, one thing I definitely didn't talk about. Ooh, looks like there was rumors that LeBron James is trying to bring a new version of House Party back, which would be cool, but I'm mad because I wanted to see him in the new Space Jam movie. That's what everybody wants to see. I know he don't want to do the, the MJ comparisons, and that's one of the reasons why he didn't do the dunk contest and all this stuff. But come on, man. You got to grow a sec. You got to just let it go. Let the hair go. Grow a sec, man. And just stop being so self-conscious. I feel like a lot of what he does is like that. But also, at the same time, it might be a reflection of everybody else, too, because I think our society is being more that way, too. I'm probably one that should heed, heed my own advice. Sometimes I'm a little too passive when I need not to be. So I get it. I get that. He's he's kind of our generation. My generation, at least. I guess like the beginning of it. Just everyone having that spotlight. And his is like, obviously his situation is amplified like times a million versus what a normal person would, do, would be dealing with. But everybody gets uh, succumbed to the same thing. So it's... Uh, Sometimes it doesn't really even matter to the scale because you're not cognizant of the scale. You're only cognizant of your own reality. 
So a lot of times you're not even uh, fully aware of all this uh, repercussions and everything like that. But yeah, he needs to get he needs to do that Space Jam reboot though. That's that would be dope. He just need I just it just would be dope. But uh, yeah, there was a couple couple things in uh, the news that I saw recently. There was a um, police officer recently who I just saw that uh, was eventually fired because he didn't want to shoot at this uh, person who had a uh, a gun. Ended up being unloaded, but he had a gun. And he wanted the cops to basically shoot him. It was someone probably suicidal. And this particular cop didn't want to shoot the guy. And all of his other officers that were on duty and that responded there to the scene is uh, they all uh, um, were telling the guy they needed to shoot him. Just go ahead and do it. Do it. Because they didn't know if the gun was loaded. So... They didn't want him to take any chances. But the guy was trying to talk to him. Eventually, another officer who wasn't, uh, who was dispatched later and wasn't on the origin on the scene originally, comes in and caps the dude. And then they find that the gun wasn't loaded. And I think he uh, eventually was uh, let go. And they wrote it up, wrote it up in the report that part of the reason he was let go was performance based. Um, and I think it came back to bite him when he took him to court. And I think he just won. He won a ton of money. I'm bringing up the article right now. 175k um, for being fired, pretty much. So, yeah, the guy was telling him, "Just shoot me, just shoot me." Um, two more police officers arrived on the scene and almost immediately shot and killed the guy. This gun will soon turn out to be unloaded. So this guy, his name, I'm going to give you a shout out. Steven Mater. Uh, he's an Iraq and Afghanistan war veteran. He received a termination of employment later, 10, 10 days later. The letter claimed he had failed to respond to the threat. And the unfortunate reality of police work is that making any decision is better than making no decision at all, it read. City of Wharton... Where is this at? Uh, Wharton, West Virginia. Yeah. Hmm. Oh, yeah, the guy was black, too. It was a black suspect, too. So that's another layer on it. So I think this uh, cop probably had a little bit more of a conscience than maybe some of his other compatriots might have had. I can't really speak for them, but... You got to think subtly that might have some somewhat of an effect on uh, how willing someone would be. We've seen it before. The damn uh, church shooter. That stupid racist fuck. He uh, got taken to the drive-thru, I think Wendy's, by the police officers. Versus seeing how many black and brown people getting shot every day. For a little petty shit. It's unfortunate. Um, but yeah, here we go. The city of Wharton defended the firing at the time. They said Mr. Mater had worsened the situation by cursing at Williams and in two other incidents wrongly searched the vehicle without a warrant and contaminated crime scene. 
Mr. Mater disagreed and filed a suit alleging wrongful termination. No police officer should ever lose their job or have their name dragged through the mud for choosing to talk rather than to shoot a fellow citizen. Mr. Mater's attorney, Timothy O'Brien, said in his, after the settlement. After filing his suit, the city argued that Mr. Mater was actually terminated for two other prior incidents and not for refraining from shooting Williams. However, the claim didn't match the content of the termination letter, which directly and repeatedly criticized Mr. Mater for not shooting. That's where they fucked up. They made it too specific, and then once story A doesn't match story B, then that's where you fucked up. They probably could have got away with it, too. But good for you, man. Get that money for them fucking up. There's too many police departments where just shit's ass backwards like that. And the, the system is programmed for them to be incentivized to act that way. So it's kind of, it's the it's the impact of how the system's created, but doesn't mean the system is work not working how it's designed to. It's not supposed to be that way, but it's designed that way and it's working. So you guys can put two and two together as to who designed it and how that all uh, took place and all that. But, yeah, craziness. And there's another one, even crazier here. There's uh, Baltimore police officers, man. That whole police department is just littered with bad examples of corruption and the worst of the worst for decades, really. I mean, The Wire encapsulated it pretty beautifully and how it's... So many people are complicit, and there's levels to it. It goes deep. But here's the, the get down here in this scenario. We got two Baltimore police detectives were convicted of robbery, racketeering, and conspiracy Monday in a trial that's part of an ongoing federal investigation into corruption amongst rogue members of the city's beleaguered police force. After the jury foreman read the verdict following two days' deliberation, Detectives Daniel Hirsch and Marcus Taylor were shackled and led out of the U.S. District Court in Baltimore. Some of Herschel's relatives burst into tears. One of the victims called out justice. Hmm. They face up to 20 years on each count for a total of 60 years. So racketeering conspiracy, racketeering, and robbery. <sighs> Let's see... Mm, let's see. The trial was dominated by four ex-detectives who testified that the police department's elite gun trace task force was actually made up of thugs with badges who stole cash, resold looted narcotics, and lied under oath to cover their tracks. They detailed acts of astonishing police criminality, including armed home invasions stretching back to 2008. This is a fucking 10-year stretch, man. This didn't happen, like, randomly. This shit was systemic, man. Think about that. You got the goddamn uh, cops acting like the motherfucking criminals, pretty much. But getting away with it because they're the goddamn dudes with the badge. Like, I was watching the uh, Free Ray Ricky Ross documentary that they had on Netflix. And it was basically the same shit. LAPD, man. They were complicit in the whole fucking get-down. And they were talking to some of the police officers and they were saying the exact same thing. It's craziness, man. This world is insane. That's when we know we got problems, man. No, I'm all for supporting blue lives, man. I got family members now that are in uh, police forces and all that stuff. And I wish them 
all the best and I hope they do what's what's right and it's just you understand when people complain it's, it's about things like that man shit runs deep and it's that's the shit that hits me and makes me upset cause in any other part of life it's like if you're not holding up your end of the bargain you're not doing your job man you're out of there you gotta figure something else out but there's just cover up after cover up after cover up and people are all complicit everyone's a wink wink nod nod type scenarios and that shit's just it's just gotta stop it's gotta be better man I know there's people who do it for the moral code or the people in there to get rich. There's other people doing things for the same motivations and they're getting life. Or other scenarios. It's just it's ridiculous, man. Craziness. Freaking craziness. Jeez. Let's see here. Mm, 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 mm. Both men were cleared of possessing a firearm in pursuance of a violent crime. So that's one of the, the cases, one of the, the uh, crimes he was that was dropped. Let's see. Much of the testimony during the trial focused on gun trace task force members who pleaded guilty including the out-of-control unit's one-time supervisor, Sergeant Wayne Jenkins. He was portrayed as a widely corrupt officer, leading his unit on a tireless quest to shake down civilians and find, quote-unquote, monsters. Big-time drug dealers with lots of loot to steal. His subordinates testified that the one-time amateur mixed martial arts fighter told his officers to carry BB guns in case they ever needed to plant weapons and occasionally poses a federal agent when shaking down targets. Dog. Dog, dog, dog. Planting weapons. That's that's low. That's that's low, man. That's dirty. Another thing Freeway Ricky Watts was talking about. He got um, a brick of coke, I think, that was planted on him initially. I think eventually those charges were dropped, but still got to go through that shit. And I think they got him for other shit later. It just shows you, man. It's how they're looking. They're going to take certain people down. Obviously, I mean, that whole scenario, you got to watch the whole film to know the whole situation. Obviously, he's kind of portrayed as somewhat of a sympathetic figure, and he's very complicit in a lot of things. But shit, he doesn't, I'm sure he didn't know the full picture the whole whole time and all that. But anyway, you got to watch the documentary. Watch that shit. It was, I'd, I'd known the story and I know most of uh, everything that happened but man you, when you see it put together in front of you sometimes you still shake your head you're like god damn let's see let's go on with the story let's see former colleague said Jenkins sledgehammer approach to policing extended to having actual sledgehammers <laughs> along with crowbars grappling hooks black masks and even a machete stored in his police issued car to ramp up illegal activities this fool was a thug, man. It's not clear when Jenkins and the other detectives who pleaded guilty will be sentenced by a federal judge. Four disgraced ex-officers testified for the government in hopes of shaving years off their sentences. So yeah, they knew the fucking cat was out the bag. 
and they're pointing like motherfucking ET fingers, telling everybody where where uh, where it's at, uh, trying to get save their ass. This is what happens, because when you're on uh, the side of the badge, most of the time there ain't uh, there's less of a repercussion in terms of being able to go back against who uh, your squad is or was. Cause you do that shit on the street, man, and someone's coming for your neck. Very literally. <laughs> crazy, crazy, crazy. Ridiculous. Let's see some more here. That was a business model for this organization. They thought if you rob drug dealers, they have no place to go, he said. That's pretty true, man. Pretty damn true. Pupura did not deny that his 48-year-old client took money but said the thefts didn't rise to the more serious charges of robbery or extortion. The two defense teams also attacked the veracity of the four disgraced detectives, noting that they had admitted to lying for years to juries, judges, colleagues, and their families. That always happens, too. Once you get informants, man, they try to... Uh, tackle the whole um, credibility angle and aspect of uh, where they're getting their information from. So that's just, it's pretty typical right there. So assistant, da, 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 da. <laughs> oh man. Public defenders say there could be a few thousand tainted gun cases, uh, tainted cases stretching back to 2008 involving the jailed members of the disbanded gun ta trace task force. So far, roughly 125 cases involving the eight indicted Baltimore law enforcers have been dropped. Beyond the sheer incredibility issues that should have been raised at the time, given how embedded their crimes were in the police work, all cases involved in these officers are tainted. Uh, said Debbie Katz Livy, head of special litigation of Baltimore's Office of Public Defender. Craziness, man. Fucking craziness. It's, uh, it's a weird world we live in. Very, very weird, 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 weird world we live in. And then, here's the other one that happened last week. And if you would follow me on Twitter, your bitch ass would have saw it. But there was uh, police officers in Sacramento last year that... Uh, Two of these uh, KKK members were all too, too kindly. Um, yeah, there's a traditionalist workers party and neo-Nazi group held a rally in Sacramento and anti-fascist counter-protesters showed up to oppose them last summer. Last Friday, The Guardian reported that in the aftermath of the rally, California police worked directly with TWP members to target quote-unquote anti-racist activities in their investigation. Court documents and audio recordings obtained by the paper reveal that officers showed photos to Derek Punio, a TWP member who was brought in for unrelated domestic violence charges, to try to identify Antifa activists. Despite the fact that a police report showed that Punio was armed with a knife at the rally, officers told Punio, we're pretty much going after them. We're looking at you as a victim. Yeah, police also worked to protect Doug McCormack, the TWP member who obtained the permit for the rally, despite the fact that McCormack was also armed with a knife at the rally. According to The Guardian, in one phone call with him, identified by police as the TW affiliate who acquired the permit for the rally, 
CHP investigator Donovan Ayers warned him that police might have to release his name in response to a public request, uh, records request. The officer said he would try to protect McCormick. I'm going to suggest that we hold on, hold that or redact your name or something until this gets resolved, Ayers told McCormick. Anyway, he didn't know who had requested records of the permit and noting, if I did, I would tell you. In an email to The Guardian, Steve Grippy, the chief director of the attorney and prosecuting the case, denied claims of bias, alleging that anti-fascist stabbing victims have been uncooperative and noting that his party has filed charges against one member of the traditionalist worker party, the neo-Nazi group that organized the rally. Ridiculous, man. Violence in recent years, more of the article. Just uh, According to Forbes, right-wing extremists have killed 10 times more people since 92 as their left-wing counterparts. Cato Institute found that between 92 and 2017, nationalist and right-wing groups injured 998 people, while those on the extreme left injured 46. A report out this week by the Southern Poverty Law Center found that over 100 people have been killed or injured by people influenced by the so-called alt-right. Yet despite all of this, Sacramento was not the only time police have been accused of aiding the far right. During the rally in Charlottesville, where Heather Hare was murdered by a white supremacist, police were accused of standing by as the event turned violent. Um, yeah, there's been a lot of cases of this happening, but Sacramento, man, it's, it's shocking, but it's not shocking at the same time. Because I could see it. I mean, there's a lot of rural, like, uh, white folk in Sacramento, too. They're cool people. But not all of them, I guess. It's like anybody. Not everyone's going to be cool. You just got to know. It's, uh, it's craziness. Man. We got to gotta do better. We got to ask for more. Got to demand more. And when there's uh, opportunities for change, you can't poo-poo it if it's not perfect. You gotta, you gotta move forward. We gotta try something. We gotta try some other things. It's it's too crazy. But yeah, a few more, a few more things to mention here. Uh, how about the North Korean cheerleaders at the Winter Olympics, man, over in Pyeongchang? Yeah, over there in uh, South Korea. Yeah, these northern Korean cheerleaders who are like clapping and singing and dancing in unison while games are going on. And they're like damn near oblivious as to what the hell is actually going on in front of them. They're not pretty much allowed to speak with anybody. They kind of don't really pay attention to what's really happening on in the action of whatever sport's happening in front of them. They are not allowed to interact with anybody. And they move 30 people at a time. They live like a, about an hour away from like the main um, uh, locations for all the events, main arenas and such. <laughs> and uh, they apparently can't even go to the bathroom at the same time either. Ooh, Mo Salah, damn, Mo Salah, American fools, beastly ass here, Jesus, what, oh my god, that was beautiful, that was ridiculous, oh, Champions League, craziness, 
Liverpool is looking looking solid this year. Anyway, like I was saying though, this, <laughs> these cheerleaders are just it's it's weird. It's odd because I was reading the articles about like who they are and where they come from, and they're saying that a lot of them are picked from top families in the Korea in North Korea, and they got to be certain height. They got to look a certain way. They all have to be complicit. They have to all be super passive and willing to follow orders. Obviously, they seem like robots. Like they're programmed out there. And a lot of people are saying that it's like a lot of propaganda for North Korea uh, against everyone else, telling them basically giving, excuse me, giving out the vibe that it's really friendlier than a lot of people think and oh my god that's a devastating dunk i'm watching top 10s plays right now sports center dude on vandy just yammed one. Oh, dude on uh texas a&m just straight mississippi state just fell on his ass oh so bad yeah it's crazy though it's uh <laughs> these cheerleaders are, are weird and then also what's crazy is they uh they came out on one of the days and they had a mask that looked like Kim Il Sung, which is uh, Kim Jong Un. Uh, it's his grandpa, the uh, the original Kim. Like uh, when he was young, it was like pictures that look almost dead on, like him from like when he was young, like artist's rendition of it. And North Korea is trying to be coy about it, like, oh no, it was just a random good-looking guy, da 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 da, et cetera, et cetera. But that's not how they work, man. They they be they be doing propaganda. Up the yin yang, cause I mean they learn for some of the best, man. Um, got the Russians, the Chinese, and then their enemies, America, man. We we all all up on that propaganda shit. Gotta let people know how we want them to know, or want them to feel. Yeah, so it's kind of crazy though this whole Winter Olympics. I'm not the biggest Winter Olympics fan in general. There's like couple sports that I really like and the hockey this year doesn't have the NHL players so I'm like mm, it's not as good they're not as interesting in my opinion it's freaking the US lost to Slovenia or whoever the hell which are college players for the most part but it's just it's just odd especially considering the fact that freaking Russia is supposed to be out of the Olympics and they got like 400 plus athletes competing Technically not with uh, Russian colors, but we all know who the fuck their their team is. Come on. Come on now. And another Netflix movie I got to shout out is Icarus, man. Yeah, you guys need to watch that one. That's a real, real good one. That one's uh, all about the Russian doping scandal that really happened the last eight years or so. Maybe, yeah, ish. Since I think it's since Beijing, so ten years. The last few Olympics have been kind of crazy. They, uh, it was Beijing and I think Vancouver. Vancouver, they didn't have a good showing. And then from there, they Putin pretty much hit the gas pedal on the whole scenario. But you need to, you guys need to watch that because it, it is pretty deep. And it's kind of crazy how like the, the story starts and how the guy behind the camera really gets, uh, gets into the whole world. It's really, really fascinating. I'd recommend it, but it's, it just kind of like bastardizes the whole 
competition and everything because it's you gotta have it like one way or the other. You gotta let everything go, or everybody's gotta play by the rules. And the IOC is obviously looking out for their own ass because uh, I believe the Olympics are going to Moscow, so they gotta uh, play nice with Russia. And at the same time, Russia's already taken advantage of a lot of the power that they've shown I mean they annexed Crimea, Crimea right around the time after one of the more recent Olympics let me see um hmm let's see um, am I just talking out of my ass? Yeah, I am talking my own ass. I don't think they have the Olympics no more over there. It was already there in Sochi. That was the winter ones. How was I thinking the summer ones were coming too? Yeah. Oh well. Shout out to Chloe Kim, though. I see you doing work out here from SoCal. That's that immigrant mentality that, uh, that Joey Diaz will be talking about. I hope he brings her up, man. That immigrant motherfucking mentality. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's crazy. Crazy fucking this. Oh yes, Tokyo is getting the 2020 Olympics, and then who's got the 2024 Olympics? Oh, it's gonna be Paris, and then 2028 is gonna be Los Angeles. That's right. Maybe we gotta wait another 10 years for that motherfucker to get here. Mm, I think like the U.S. is like the only place that could probably actually accommodate like an Olympics and just be chill off of it, and not have to be all crazy. I was reading how like Koreans are just gonna be paying debt after debt after debt for this one right now, and they're saying that they're actually helping cover some of the travel expenses and costs for the North Koreans to come delegation to come across. Like, what kind of deal is that for? the south I mean it seems like the north are making off a little bit here and I'm uh, curious to see because sometimes when guys try to show power moves and make uh, messages and pleas to other countries through athletic competitions like this kind of like how I was saying before with Russia it tends to be a kind of subsequent move following that so I'm uh, um very curious to see how that might turn out to see if they might be a little bit more aggressive in the coming months following the Olympics there. Yeah. But the Olympics are they're a weird weird scenario. Whole amateurism versus professionalism. 
that whole scenario and gripe and everything. That's uh makes you feel a little weird, Nikki. It's like these guys busting their ass the whole time and they can't profit off of themselves until afterwards, which is kinda crazy to be honest. So there's there's a lot of like weird sports that are on going on too, which I'm it's cool, but I'm not I'm just whatever about Summer Olympics, on the other hand, now that that shit I can watch a lot. <laughs> that shit is interesting to me. Probably because I like, like a lot more of those sports in general. Grow up in more of a, you know, grow up in California, you're more exposed to things that are like summertime leisurely activities, more so than you would some wintertime uh, shenanigans. We got uh, snow and all that over here too, so it's not it's not foreign at all. If you're born or if you're able to live or travel to certain areas, my family we were just never into all that stuff, man. Not a ton of uh, Mexicans hitting the slopes. Let's put it that way. Not a ton of Mexicans afford to hit the slopes. It's the one way to put it. It's. But yeah, I think uh, shout out to the bobsled team or the luge team from Mexico though. They're wearing some uh, some Calavera style um, jumpsuits or whatever, body suits. It was the Sugar Skull Candy like Day of the Dead styles, which I was like, oh, that's pretty fly. Shout out to y'all. Shout out to y'all. And shout out to my grandma as well. She's recently sick. Got out of the hospital just yesterday, so glad to have her around is really thankful for that and one of the things I was praying for at mass today just uh just want everybody to do well and do better not don't try to be a hater in any sense and if I'm talking shit it's only because I love you real talk uh, yeah that's uh that's the gist of it man and wow KD talking about uh, needing to come at home and just shave us off top, man. I think he might be there. <laughs> he might be getting close, getting a little, little thing in the back. He can hide that shit being a seven footer. But uh, they got cameras everywhere, man. <laughs> I don't feel like if I'm just looking at KD, I, I wouldn't be able to know. But yeah, <laughs> celebrity's a bitch, right? <laughs> everybody knows. Everybody sees. We all see it, dude. We all see it. But, uh. And you say, saying, but, uh, but, uh, but, uh, but, uh, but, uh, but, uh. Yeah, I think that's good. We're in minute 39 now, so we'll, we'll call it a night. It is, uh, February the 14th once again, episode number 0005. This has been your more Mario. Signing off. Peace.